Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer and artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field. If you've been listening to this podcast or are new to it, I thank you very much. I would also appreciate it if you took a moment to follow it on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. I also have to let you know that our latest volume of Elrond Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future is now available in bookstores throughout the U.S., Canada, the U.K., South Africa, and Australia, as well as through all major online retailers. So whether you're looking to discover top new voices in the genre or an aspiring writer or artist looking to see what these artists have done to win, this book is for you. Today's guest is B. Jackson. She goes by that name. Her birth name is Brittany, but she goes by B. Jackson as an artist to make herself easier to be found. And it's definitely well worth your while to find her. I met B. in 2008 when she won the Grand Prize Illustrators of the Future Golden Brush Award. And also, get a load of this, I was her plus one a few years ago at the NAACP Image Awards where she was a nominee for outstanding literary work for children with her picture book, Parker Looks Up. It's about America's First Lady. She also illustrated LeBron James' We Are Family. She's become a go-to artist for many diverse projects. She was last on this podcast two years ago, so I'm very much looking forward to catching up with her. Welcome back, B. Thank you for having me. <laughs> So, um, over the next hour, I'm just, we're going to be all over the place because I have so many questions, so many things I'm, I'm interested in because it's amazing. I'm just seeing you here, like, you just exude art, <laughs> you know, and people will be able to see the photo that we have here for the, um, for the podcast, but also we'll have a teaser we'll re- that will uh, be used to promote this as well, that they'll be able to see how you're dressed. So... I guess to begin with, since this is for, you know, illustrators of the future, and so at one point you were that poor starving artist that yeah, has become so cliched, but it actually does exist out there. Hopefully um, a rapid transition from that to actually successful artists for anybody listening to this. But anyway, so if you can a little bit tell me about your story, what it was like in your humble beginnings in Motor City, USA. Well, I've always loved to draw. Um, I would watch a lot of sci-fi movies and try to imagine like ways that I could fanfic away, fanfic around it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like yeah. how I would like the story to go. And that started with uh, Starship Troopers. So <laughs> that was um, Einline. Yeah, I really loved that movie, and I was so fascinated by it that I was like, "Oh, it'd be cool if there was like an alien girl." Because I really love um, strong, powerful women, like in, in uh, literary and illustrations and stuff like that. So I tend to gravitate towards it. So I was like, that would be cool that they met like an alien woman queen on um, on the on the planet that they had went to. And I started doing like fan fiction, uh, fan art um, with original characters. And that's kind of like how I got started, like with sketches and, and things like that. Started adding narrative to my illustrations. And I actually kept a lot of those old drawings <laughs> from those days. And, um, and someday I, that might be worth a lot of money. Maybe. Just as a, a sidebar here, <laughs> Larry Elmore, who is just like an amazing artist, uh, all the create original stuff for different Dungeons and Dragons. And he had all these boxes of his old sketches. And he was recently going to throw them away. And his agent said, No, 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 don't. <laughs> 
he's selling these sketches for like $10,000 a piece on eBay. And he's like, I'm getting more for the sketches than I got for the original <laughs> art that I did for this stuff here. So don't lose those sketches. Oh, of course not. And it's always fun to like revisit old sketches and like uh, draw them again in the current year that you're in uh-huh. to kind of see how, you're, how you've progressed. So like I can always reference back to those old drawings from like the third grade where I couldn't spell, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I had an imagination and... Um, and then and then I moved into comics. Like I, I remember we had got the internet and I was searching the internet and I got exposed to anime and comic books. And uh, that was like my new obsession. So I was like, oh, I didn't know you could like draw on the computer because I, I figured it was difficult to kind of replicate those styles, a lot of the styles that I was seeing like with uh, hand painting. So... I um, started using MS Paint to try to replicate. <laughs> um, it's like my trying to type that using Word. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like really, really uh, basic <laughs> beginnings yeah. with digital art. And uh, I was doing that with a mouse. And um, as time progressed, and then you started getting programs like Adobe, uh, I think it was Adobe Elements, I would start to try to work with that. And got into scanners and doing that. And and then I gradually moved up to actually doing digital paint. And at the time that I was doing it, uh, it was between middle school and high school. And it wasn't really considered a real art form then. Right. So when I was in college, uh, I'm sorry, when I was in high school, I started to... Um, look into college options, and of course, I needed some scholarships. So my art teacher really wanted me to pursue pursue art. Um, I was one of the only students in his classroom <laughs> that actually, and he was an art teacher. I was one of the only students that um, actually wanted to draw. So he put a lot of effort into making sure that I got um, into a good college. Um, in a lot of ways, I would say he was like a fi- father figure during those years. And uh so I would enter in a contest, and I won quite a few, and I was basically stacking up money <laughs> to, you know, get through as much college as I could. And um, during that time, there was a few contests, and I found this out later, that they were thinking about disqualifying me because they didn't consider digital art real art. And it's very interesting how times have changed that now digital art is, is in a lot of ways the go-to um, form form for a yeah. lot of artists, but at the time it wasn't really widely accepted. Sure, and um, I got into the college of my choice, which was uh, the College for Creative Studies, and that's how I found that out because I got I got to know some of the judges from some of the contests that I entered, and um, that's when they told me like, yeah, you almost didn't win for that reason. So it was wasn't um, my concepts or things that I built because I still put like a ton of time. Yeah into those illustrations, it was just the, the medium that I was using. But I kept using it because that's all that I knew. <laughs> you know, um, my mom's a single mom, and I, I love her. She sacrificed so much for me. But there were things that she just couldn't really afford. So I didn't have access to a lot of uh, art supplies and things like that. So it really was just me and the computer. Yeah. And it wasn't for lack of interest because when I did like start making a little bit of money I bought 
Prismacolors, and those are very expensive, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the color pencils and the markers. And I would experiment with that, and I tried oil paint. That ended in disaster. I got it all over my hands. I didn't have any education <laughs> with uh, how to work with traditional mediums, so I just used acrylic because I knew I couldn't get that stuck on my hands. But um, I, when I got to college, that's when I was able to kind of actually get a formal education with the, with the arts. And it wasn't that, like, even though I had um, an art teacher in high school, it was basically the classroom where... Um, all the teachers would dump the bad kids. And I was actually in there because I wanted to be there, <laughs> you know. So uh, my teacher would isolate me as best as he could, and sometimes let me just go work in his office so that, you know, while he taught the class, just so I could focus on art. So I was very grateful to have certain people in my life who recognized that I do have a passion for this that helped push me forward. And... Um, so, but, but again, my education and art form was very limited. So right. I, a lot of things that I learned was through trial and error. And that's why my style is very diverse is because I had to kind of weave between different things that I was trying to do. And it was a learning experience. So on one hand, I have a, a, a ton of styles that I can work in that some people don't even recognize is, is uh, my work. But on the other hand, it might look as though I don't have any grounding. But all of that is just from those rough experiences trying to find my way without pro proper education. So I finally made it to college, and that was around the time that I had entered uh, Illustrators of the Future because I needed money <laughs> <laughs> to, to pay for college. So um, I entered, and I remembered I prepared for it for a year, like planning out what my illustrations were going to be. I put a lot of thought into it. Uh, the three illustrations that I did, I wanted to have strong narratives and and um, all those details. And, and uh, when I had entered the contest and I got invited here as a winner, it was a very eye-opening experience because it was my first time being around other artists. Right. You know, I, I hadn't been around. This was before I made it to college. Yeah. So I hadn't been around peers that really loved the arts like that. And I hadn't been around people that were working in the industry. So it was a very um, awe-inspiring experience for me. And I'm very grateful for all the people that I've met. And I've kept that close to heart. Um a lot of the, even though I'm not in contact with some of the people that I came up with, I still like look out and try to see what they're up to and and things like that. And I really cherish those moments. Do you remember during the workshop, what were some of the uh, highlights that you still remember? Uh, one of the main highlights I remember is uh, uh, Val Lindon um, explaining that art is about uh, communication. This was from something that um, L. Ron Hubbard would would uh, promote. Uh, he would say that uh, illustration is about communication. What are you trying to say through your pieces? Can your pieces speak without words? So that's what I took to heart 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I try to incorporate into all of my personal illustrations and even the ones that I, you know, that I do as a commission or through jobs. I try to communicate visually to where, like, you wouldn't need words to understand what's going on. And if people leave me alone to <laughs> actually do that, you know, sometimes people, you know, don't don't let you be as creative as you want to be, you know, to express yourself. Art directors? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it just depends. I mean, uh, it, it becomes a skill of uh, learning how to work with people mm-hmm. and still get them what they want while, you know, um, also trying to get your vision out there. And sometimes, you know, you don't get get to put it out there exactly how you want it. Um, sometimes, you know, you have roadblocks, but at the core of it, if, if it's up to me, that's what I try to go for. I always come back to that same statement. What am I trying to communicate through this piece and can it speak for itself? So that's where I go. Good. Yeah. That's what he says in that, in the an essay that Owen Howard wrote called art and art more about he, both of those essays, you know, that art is a quality of communication yes. and yeah, if that the communication is like the senior datum there more than the, you know, you've got the technical expertise, but if the technical expertise doesn't communicate, it's not really art because nobody, it doesn't communicate anything, yeah. you know, then it becomes like a picture. So on, um, so then that was the thing, the workshop and that was Val and Don. So, and your $5,000. <laughs> yes. So that got you through another semester or two of college, hopefully. Yes. Um, so then at what point, you know, so from there, so you had some education, so you had more grounding in art and the background of art and history of art and different forms of art and different styles of art over the ages. I mean, your art is still very much uniquely you. Yes. Which is great, <laughs> you know, um, and no doubt others either have already started or will not the too distant future start emulating B, you know? <laughs> so have you already ex- experienced that? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes it's not necessarily my style that I feel is emulated. Sometimes I, I feel it's the concepts that I come up with because um, when I'm, you know, the, the wonderful thing about art is that you can have multiple people with the same idea. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that just happens. Like, you can be just two people that have the same idea. And then, you know, and, and uh, we, we learn and we, we grow from each other. And that's a beautiful part of it. But you also do have those situations where people will take credit for your work. And I've had my art, like, legitimately stolen a few times, <laughs> you know, where... Um, my friends would contact me and tell me, oh, your artwork was on a bus. I'm like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't uh, sign off on that, you know, or like someone will take my same concept and like, or I've had people that have literally painted over my pieces or um, have taken different ideas that I had presented like on social media and then um, posted, you know, posted that. So, you know, it's a fine line between, I think, and sometimes inspiration and theft. Um, but like I do, I do. <laughs> it is, it is sometimes. You stole it. No, I was inspired by it. Yeah. You stole it. No, you so inspiring. But I mean, I'm fine. Like so long as you give credit. Yeah. You know, and I try to do that like with what I post. If I took inspiration from another artist or some uh, things like that, 
uh, to the best of my ability, I will reach out to that artist directly mm-hmm. and ask if that's okay. Um, and these are some some artists, and and I've done like personal pieces uh, that were inspired by artists that I admire that I've never even posted before. It's right. just like for the experience of being able to work, and I think just having that respect amongst each other um, is is it warranted. So, like these are artists that I not only um, admire, I'll buy their artwork, mm-hmm. and um, I'll buy I, like I have my room full of art of people that I admire their work uh, and it's not limited to illustrations it's clothes it's uh yeah, little knickknacks clothes you're wearing there <laughs> you know so I love to support the arts in in so many different forms and in, in music and jewelry and clothes and uh art prints and uh little knickknacks and stuff so I have like a little treasure trove of all these things that I put around my work desk and I can look at and I can remember like hey I got this from that person or I really love, love what this person did and and that's just keeps me happy you yeah. know <laughs> just uh seeing all the different ways that people have explored their own creativity um, like I have these little, I have this one little potted plant, but it's knitted, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's like in a little terracotta, but it's a knitted potted plant. And I was like, I really love this. And I remember meeting the artist. And, um, so I just like, when, when it comes to things like that, I think, um, in the art field, in the art world, uh, I think it's good to share and be, be graceful in the idea that, Multiple people can have the same concept and, you know, not be limited, but to show respect to each other. Right. Uh, if you can, you know, and sometimes people don't always do that. So yes. <laughs> it's like, I know where that inspiration came from, but I don't see any credit <laughs> at all. Yeah. So. so now on, now your career has obviously blossomed quite nicely. And I know you... I mean, all of our judges are like this, but everybody's hardworking. I mean, that seems to be like a really important, you know, criteria. It's like you're inspired. You were, you know, any of the judges I've interviewed before too, you know, they're like Larry Elmore had nothing and he used to take the, the grocery bags and he'd, <laughs> he'd take pencils, you know, and, and draw on them and then he had the boxes and he'd draw on them and then they wait till the next week because they couldn't afford to have any anything else so it was, it was on the paper bags and yeah. you've got you know other um artists who just the white wall of their bedroom was a perfect canvas <laughs> you know to start with but it was just they had to do their art you know but as they got older that that was the senior datum too to if they got a job they worked on it that was you know like i remember trying sometimes trying to get you out here for the workshop i can't because i've got my deadline I, I've got to make, and I've had that with every judge at some point or another, especially the, the illustrators more than writers, because writers can bring their laptop and they can just hole up in their room and just continue writing a story, but an artist needs to be in their workspace to, yes. to really work. So how does that work for you? Again, the aspiring artists, or even artists that are like, yeah, I like it, but I'm, you know, what do I do next? Your story is, is such, a, an, I think, an important story to tell. And then we'll get to the cool stuff later on when you've like, <laughs> yeah, me and LeBron, we're like, <laughs> yo, dude. Um, so how did it go then from, you know, you're good, but a lot of people are good. But how do you get that 
that break? What happened that, you know, some people say it's luck. I would tend to disagree. You know, you make your own luck. I, I will say that. You know, I, I believe that you can make your own luck. So how did that happen that you made your own luck that led to your big jobs? Well, I, I would say um, there were certainly deliberate choices that I made uh, that helped me move forward. And the thing is, I've, I've been very patient mm-hmm. um, in my growth. Like I've seen a lot of artists that came up around the same time and that I have that have exploded. And I'm like, my explosion has happened a bit slower. But, <laughs> you know, but I'm grateful for it because it, I, I needed a lot. I had a lot of learning to do. But um, it started really small. And just being able to look back and see where those different little sparks came from. So, uh Back when I was trying to pay for college, I was taking uh, jobs to do children's books. I only did them <laughs> because I needed the money because college is expensive. Right. So I would just take these jobs. And I mean, like, I won't even say what the dollar amount was, but it was it was a uh, small paltry, very, very small. Um, but I did them anyway because I, I, I was uh, I really needed the money. So I was working like two jobs and doing illustrations. So I would pick jobs uh, as like a phone agent working from home so that I could multitask. So while I'm uh, helping you with your purchase um, on whatever website that I was working with, I, on one hand, I'm also drawing on another <laughs> computer. So I was like, I have to, you know, do that. So um, I got to know... Uh, in high school, a publisher, a small publisher, her name is uh, Julia Hunter. And again, she's kind of like a, a godmother to me. Um, so she picked me up when I was um, very new. I had no idea what I was doing, but she was like, don't worry, I'll show you. You know, so I was like, also like on that whole, I'll fake it till I make it thing. So she was like, do you know how to do this? And I'm like, yeah, no, but I, you know, I'm willing to learn. So she would teach me different things, and uh, she taught me to be honest, uh, to, like, if I say I'm going to do something, do it. You know, so she really grilled that into me uh, very young. That makes sense. And if I fell off, she was the first one to tell me, <laughs> you know, you don't do that to people. You show people respect and stuff like that. So, so she really... Um, taught me. And those were doing like really, those really small jobs. So one of her clients was uh, Latasha Perry, and she's the author for Hair Like Mine, which is, she's she's made a business out of it now. Um, we did, we agreed to do those books for, you know, not a great sum of money, you know, and there was no royalties or anything attached to it. But she allowed me to be cr- uh, creatively free. So she had her story, and she just like, do what you want to do. <laughs> you know, and sometimes those are the best jobs. So I had a lot of fun doing her books, and they were all learning experiences. And each of the books of, that I had did for her, and I, you know, I did them all at around the same price. Each book that I did, they look in different styles because mm-hmm. she let me do that. I'm like, my style's changed again. And she's like, oh, that sounds fun. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Latasha Perry is really awesome, but... It was her books that I did for a little bit of nothing that everybody saw because I'm always in the background. Like I'm not like, 
Like, unless you tell me to go <laughs> on TV or do something like that, I'm not trying to. You know, I don't mind being in the background, you know, just doing my thing. And uh, so, but it was her promoting of her book. So it, it took two two people doing two different things. I did the artwork and I'm moving on to other jobs and she did all the promoting of her book, which got in, eyes, uh, in front of the eyes of a lot of prominent people. So... Um, when social media became more of a thing mm-hmm. and her book is going around and it was like one of the earlier books that was focused on like black hair, black skin color, uh, and, uh, black self-acceptance for kids. Hers was one of the only ones that was on the market at that time. Like when we started and now it's like, you know, you can yeah. a lot of it, you know, it's, it's its own genre almost now. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of people that took inspiration between our collaboration that we had. And um, so when I started to get offers for jobs, like uh, bigger offers um, for jobs, I asked, I would ask the people that reached out to me, what piece did you see? You know, to kind of get an idea. And I ask that question to get an idea of what you expect from me. Because, I, again, I work in so many different styles. Yeah. You're like, hey, I want you to do this book. I'm like, okay, which style? You know, which one? Yeah. <laughs> which piece did you see? So, I, you know, I would ask people, um, what did you see? And they would say, we saw these, these pieces. And I would tie it back to Latasha. So, and that, that happened um, with uh, Parker Looks Up. So they was like, yeah, we saw um, uh, these pieces from Latasha Perry's books, and we would like to hire you, or uh, we would like to hire you to do uh, this book for Parker Looks Up. So one little job that I did for a little bit of nothing led to a bigger job through Simon & Schuster, which spiraled into bigger jobs. Yeah, and you get your own page now in Simon & Schuster. Did you ever meet the first lady? No, I never met her. But, you know, again, like I'm the background person, you know, so usually the authors usually get a lot of the shine. Um, but by talking by and, and the funny thing about the Parker Looks Up book is because I, I knew who Simon and Schuster was. So when I got an email from them, because I have been burned many times before as an artist, <laughs> when I got an email from them, I was like, this is a scam. <laughs> you know? I was like, somebody's trying to rip me off. So I ended up reaching out to Echo and Laz. And you also yeah. called me too. Yeah, I called you as well. And uh, I think I showed you some of the details of the emails. And I was like, does right. this sound legit? Should I go for it? And you guys were like, yeah. So I was, that's when I responded. Because I was really excited, but I've also been hurt like right. a lot before from people just taking advantage of me. So, And that's one thing, too, yeah. again, as a sidebar here. As an artist, as a winner, you know, the, the contest, the judges have your back till death do us part. You know, your yeah. family. So if you have questions on anything, you know, like contracts or does this sound good, we're totally there willing to assist. Yes, and and you know I I want to encourage everybody like if you're in this if you're in this field uh, it's very important that the people that you network with that you you know they're resources to you and not not to be afraid to reach out and you could be a resource to other people as well mm-hmm. you know we have to give and help each other you know right. it's it's no 
it's it's room for everybody. Like no, nobody yeah. has to be selfish or anything like that. So like the type of work I do does not uh, impact <laughs> anybody else at all. You know that um you know that that are the judges and stuff like that. And it doesn't have to be seen as competitive. And and like when I was in the contest, I didn't look at the other people that were in the contest as competitors. I looked at them as fellow artists that were all skilled in what they did that did not uh that that did not impact on me other mm-hmm. than for me to learn from them. You know, I love the way that this person does that or that person does this. I didn't see them in an adversarial way, and I think that's the way that you have to be. So, having that mindset, I was like, even if I don't win, I'm happy for whoever does because I love these people, you know? Yeah. So, so that's how I um that's how I approached it. But it was uh those little those little sacrifices that I made. And like I'm an introvert. It's hard for me to reach out to people. It's hard for me to talk. But I do it anyway because I have to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want to get pigeonholed. But um, you know, those those little sacrifices that I did for a little bit of nothing sprouted into something great like 10 years later. And that's what I mean like about being patient. Um, because everybody has their own time when they're going to grow. And I'm like, I've suffered through a lot. I've been through a lot. And I take those as marks that help me to be be more resourceful to the other artists that are coming up. Like, I fail, so you don't have to. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, if if I can impart that on you, like, yeah, you know, I've I've been through quite a bit. I've dealt with some crazy clients, you know, people have threatened me and um, people who have stolen my work or taken advantage of me, they would take my work uh, and say that they were me and uh, had me working in the background. <laughs> it was all kinds of stuff, and they, but they got caught, you know. So, um, but I, I don't, you know, have anything again. And, and sometimes, like, I'll still work with people even if it's outside of like different different pay grades. If I'm really passionate about the work that they're doing. You know, and I'm like being open to the best of my ability. I might not be able to help in the way that I would have in the past, mm-hmm. but I could still be resourceful. You know, right. like, hey, I can help you. I can maybe help art direct, or if you working with another artist, if you want me to look over it and like see what my opinion is, I'll give that to you. And um, with uh, Latasha. Uh, she's still doing books, <laughs> you know. We would, I would love to work with her again, uh, but you know, I ended up getting like a lot of work, and you know, she had her eye projects. So we respectively went on to like different different jobs. So, but we're still really close. So she'll be like, "Hey, look at this other artist I found." And I'm like, "That artist is awesome." It's beautiful work, but I'll end up working to um, piece the book together in a format so that it could go to print. Right. So it's like I'll take on other roles. I just might not be doing the illustrations and stuff like that. And these 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 little um, sacrifices I've made have led to the the blessings that I have today. And yeah. um, like I don't know if you want me to elaborate more on like the Simon and Schuster stuff and kind of yeah, like that's, that's a cool story. <laughs> I was going to ask you one thing that was interesting. Just B. Jackson, Amazon doc, <clears throat> Amazon.com, Parker looks at several things come up, but the, Le, but the LeBron James doesn't come up. So I'm just curious on that, you know, I guess on, I don't know if that's a, a question about ego or just contract, whatever it is, like, 
obviously, if I search B. Jackson, LeBron James, um, I can find on the web comes up with all types of entries. It's just not on Amazon. Is there something, was that a contract that it was? Or what was it? Or just because he's such a big name, he doesn't want anything else on it besides his name on the book? Or oh, I, I don't know. Don't like, know. I'm not involved with all the... All those like nitty gritty details. I think sometimes it could just come down to how things are promoted. Yeah. And sometimes the authors, um, you know, they're the stars. Like, you know, not a lot of people, like, especially if it's if it's a book. A lot of people are buying the book because LeBron James wrote it, for example. You know, so I don't have any any issue with that. You know, yeah. so well, like when Parker looks up, you're yeah. definitely a big part of that book. Yes, and I think that's because of the relationship that I had with the with the author. Uh, they you're a super were super cute kid. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're a, a beautiful beautiful family. I mean, um, I'm really grateful for those opportunities where I can get close to the author. But like as an illustrator, a lot of times you don't get that opportunity. So like um, with with uh, Parker looks up. I was like, thank you for allowing me to be your artist, you know, to, you know, be a part of your journey. It wasn't my journey. It was her journey. Right. And they were like, you coming up with us. So, yeah. so of course, they're still the stars, and I'm completely happy with that. You know, it's, it's Parker's book. It's Parker's stories. Uh, but they were grateful. They were um, um, very graceful in, in that they was like, you know, you come up with us. And when I had went to the NAACP Awards as a nominee, you know, I wasn't planning on going up on stage like if if I had one. I was like, that's Parker's moment. I'm not trying to steal her shine or anything like that. And her mom was like, you coming up with us, (laughs) you know? So when you have relationships like that and when when you are close with the author, a lot of times the author who is the basically star of their books um, it's up to them if they want, want to, want or, to yeah. shout you out, and but I'm I'm at peace with whatever position that I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I have no problem letting somebody else take you know all the shine for for their work, you know, for their efforts. And uh, again, I think like by being willing to step back and you know staying humble and 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 where I'm at, um, that also opened doors because. I had certain people that have enjoyed working with me because of that. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I try not to be a troublesome person. If, yeah, <laughs> if I did it, if I did something and you didn't like it, I'm not going to argue with you or anything like that. I'm like, okay, how can I fix it? You know, <laughs> so I was like, that's what my job is here. That's, that's what my job is. My job is to, um, you know, get your vision out, mm-hmm. you know, to the best of my ability, if I could, if I could do it, you know, so. Yeah. By positioning myself like that, um, people wanted to work with me more, and they started to watch my social media, you know, when I would get, like, little moments of free time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> However rare that was. So what happened was uh, I had finished doing, like, a lot of books, and it was a really stressful year. I ended up dealing with a lot of different health issues and um the, the publishers and stuff had to, you know, accommodate me and giving me more time to do stuff. So I had, um, did a lot of work. I, I met my deadlines. I got the, I got the work out and then my agent, um, insured me, you know, like you, you take Christmas break. <laughs> so, so, uh, during Christmas break, I just did, I like went on a bench just drawing like all the stuff that I wanted to draw 
like whatever idea that I had came up with or whatever. So I was just doing it. You relax also. It's stress, but it's yeah. also that when you do your own stuff, it's total relax. Yeah. So I had a lot of fun and I was able to get some of my own ideas out there. And the thing is, because I'd done some books, a lot of those people that I work with watch my social media. So uh, when I had, I did this one illustration. I did a few illustrations that got a lot of attention. Uh, but one that I did um, was of a, a gold fairy. And I did like a little animation. I was trying to experiment with doing reels. I still yeah. struggle with all of that. <laughs> but it was a, um, a black fairy uh, with with gold uh, monarch butterfly wings. And I wanted to like apply um, uh, gold, gold ink to it, which I did. And... I did that piece because I was having a conversation. I was at a community center um, that my friend had introduced me to uh, the owners of, and I was like, uh, "I was like, it would be really cool to see more fantasy with you know black characters in it." I was like, "Cause I love mermaids and I love fairies," yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I was like, "It'd be really cool to see more of that." And uh, so I went home and I pulled out one of the sketches that I did that was similar to it. I, I would go to like artist meetup and this was like pre-COVID and stuff. Yeah. So after that, I, that kind of ended. But <laughs> <laughs> I had this sketch that I had did pre-COVID pre, uh, with some friends where I had a monarch butterfly fairy. And I was like, I'm going to redraw her. That's good, again, like holding on to old pieces and then revisiting it. Uh-huh. So I started it like a couple of years ago, revisited it and painted it to like where I felt comfortable, where I could say, hey, this is done. Posted it on the internet uh, with a little bit of a caption saying what inspired it. And um, next thing you know, I get an email from one of the editors at Simon & Schuster saying, hey, I saw your piece. It was very beautiful. Uh, How do you feel about making a book about uh, fairies? (laughs) So, (laughs) And it's like specifically like um, uh, fairies of color because um, it was – Again, tying back to what the subject matter was, right? Because it's with with the art that I post myself, it's not just about um, the piece itself. In a lot of cases, it's about what's the what was the idea behind it, and I'm I'm uh, usually really good at documenting that. Like if you read the caption to a lot of my stuff, a lot of them start conversations uh, because I'm like, this is the thought process behind this piece. It wasn't just something that I did for it to look beautiful. Again, right. I wanted to speak for itself, but I add that extra commentary for the people that care to read. Like, hey, this is where this came from. So that resonated um, with her. So they was like, okay. I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, if I could do a job where you know I get paid to do all my stuff, I was like, that, that would be awesome. <laughs> so um, we ended up having a meeting. Uh, with uh, several other people. And, um, you know, they asked me, they was like, hey, you know, did you, you know, now that we kind of talking, did you have some ideas of where you wanted to go with this? And I was like, yeah, I actually have a lot of ideas. And (laughs) and, uh, I was like, if you care to listen, you know, so um, that one piece ended up in me basically pitching like several different books. And they was like, we had no idea that you were a storyteller, <laughs> you know? So 
I, they were really surprised because not only was that fairy piece one that I had uh, posted, I had posted a lot of Christmas stuff where I was doing like these speed paintings, uh, doing like Christmas narratives. And this was coming off of my uh, Target collection, which was another project that they let me do whatever I wanted with. So, <laughs> so it's yeah. usually if you let me do what I want to do, <laughs> like those ones usually blow up pretty well. But um, so I was like, yeah, I have this little story. And I, I had just pitched like a few different stories. I was like, I'm in front of these people. You know, I can talk Go to them. It. So I'm a pitch. And um, one book turned into multiple books <laughs> concept. <laughs> so like what they want to do is start with the fairies and uh, see how that goes. And um, I did some, like, sketches of the characters. Like, I'm still building up the characters and things like that. And sometimes these processes take a long time. You know, I, again, I've that comes back to patience. Like, I'll have somebody that's interested in working with me, but the project won't even start till two years later. Right. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, it'll start when it starts. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of the case with that because I think I posted that back in 2021, and it's 2023 now, and I'm like actually about to start working on it. So, but but those little opportunities where, you know, I got in front of people and I, you know, was like, hey, it started from building these relationships with uh, with people and being a good person to work with or right. easy person to work with. And I'm not saying that I've always been perfect, you know, because I've had um, my setbacks with my health that, you know, can make it difficult to complete a job. And that's the thing with... Uh, being an artist, um, if, if something happens to you, <laughs> you know, nobody can really replace, you know, yeah. take your place. I mean, they'll try, you know, people will try to, you know, um, because unfortunately some things do happen and they still have their investments, which that's completely understandable. But in a lot of cases, you're, you're on your own. Like however much time you lose, you have to make up yourself if they don't give it to you. Right. Um, so... Like, to the best of my ability, I work to be transparent with people. Like, if I'm sick or if I'm going through an episode where it's hard for me to work, I let people know. And I'm like, hey, can you spare me a little bit more time? And they're usually very accommodating. It's just if you don't communicate, <laughs> yeah, that's, then that becomes a problem. That makes good sense. So now, I mean, you've addressed um, some of the points where you've been burned you've obviously ridden over it but now looking back are there any tips you can give of you know of what you saw but you ignored you know in a client that now you don't ignore well i would say pay very close attention to what people say uh because certain things that they say or do might tip you off to if this if this is going to be a job that's going to be difficult like what would be an example of that um not knowing what you want <laughs> and sometimes you find that out like midway through the job after you've you're on like the third round of revisions you know so i ran into this recently and this was a uh, on a self self publishing job i was trying to honor an old commitment um, none of this was under contract. So this is just me being nice. <laughs> now, like, I'm still going to, you know, this is, uh, you know, I'm still going to try to honor our, our commitment from years ago. Right. Uh, because uh, we had lost contact. Um, so uh, I was trying to set everything up to, to work with this person. And um, 
they were communicating with me in such a way where I got the feeling that they would never be satisfied with whatever I gave them. Right. <laughs> you know, so sometimes you could be in a situation where you're with a person that is a, a time sink. And the problem with that is, like, as much as I want to get people's visions out there, I cannot allow people to have unlimited access to my time because I have other people on on that time, and that's disrespectful to them, you know, because if I keep having to go back, if you don't respect my time and I keep having to give you unlimited revisions because you can't make up your mind with what you want, that's going to end up impacting the people that have also paid me, you know. So it's about respect and time. And, uh, you know, so I I had uh, made sure to state, like I started to get that sense. And sometimes it just comes from conversations. I start to get that sense this might be an issue. So I made sure to highlight in the contract you have a certain number of, you know, revisions. Or, How many do you, what's your standard? I usually do three. Okay. You know, which is which is standard. That's what I learned in college. You do three. And, like, for me, when I do revisions, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to change the hair, and that counts as a revision. Changing the eyes counts as a third revision. No. Like, for me, usually a revision is, like, a list of things. So it's like if if you reach out to me like, hey, I have these changes, it could be, like, a, a whole list. I'll do that, and that counts as a revision. Right. But if it starts getting excessive where I have 10 of those lists, you know, to the point where we're not making any progress, then that becomes a problem. Because now it's starting to impact on other jobs and I'm not able to make money. I'm not able to make a living because I'm stuck in limbo because you can't make up your mind, you know. So yeah. Do you ever put in your contract that? Beyond three revisions, then it's X number of dollars per revision after yes, that. Yes, and I, I think that is necessary. And my thing is, like, it, um, with that person, it was, like, approaching it as they took that as me trying to fleece them. And I'm like, I'm not trying to fleece you. <laughs> and, like, I don't have to take this job, you know, if I don't, if I, you know. Uh, so, but I'm not trying to, the purpose of that is not to fleece you. It's about showing you that I value my time. Mm-hmm. And you have to respect that. Like, if you can't respect my time, I'm not going to allow the other people that I work with to suffer, you know, because they have teams of people that's waiting on them. You know, a lot of times I'm the one that's kind of like at the bottom of the uh, of of the work, you know, of the work. They can't do their jobs until I do my job. So I'm not thinking about just myself or trying to be lazy or fleece people. I'm thinking about all the other people that have to do their jobs and their jobs uh, rely on me doing mine, you know. So, you know, it's it's a chain of command, especially when it comes to print, um, because, like, with a lot of children's books or just books in general, they're in the work process like a year or two before you even see it on the shelves. Right. So I have to have my work in by a certain date so the publishers can do their job to get their work done, to get it to the printer, <laughs> you know, yeah. to uh, make the publishing date. So all these things you have to be mindful of. Like, you're, it's not just you. It's a lot of people that's involved, and it's a lot of money that's involved. And if you have one cog in a machine because they're not respecting your time, it's also disrespectful to everybody else. So I'm like, uh, at this point, I'm like, just be very careful with what people say and, and, and follow your instincts. And sure enough, 
this person, as I suspected, would never be satisfied because I tried to go ahead and, I, you know, I, I went back and forth with this person for days. Again, like giving more and more of my time to just try to keep them happy. And I would give them all the religion revisions that they told me that they wanted. And they were like, you didn't do anything I said that I wanted. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's this isn't going to work. So if it's didn't a situation. Did you do a kill fee? Is that, is that how you ended or? Well, there was it? no, we never even got to the contract phase. And oh. So like, and that's sometimes when you're dealing with like uh, self-publishers, these are people that are every day, uh, they go to a regular job, you know, so they don't have a lot of money. Um, it's, it's no point even trying to get royalties out of, you know, some people, because like they could, some of them can barely afford to um, get their books in print. Right. You know, so, you know, sometimes um, it, with those sorts of jobs, they just you have people who want a book just to say that hey I did a book or they just want to sell it to their church and there's nothing wrong with that you know I don't judge people for you know how they want to put out put out their work you know just you know you you pay me to do my job and the rest is up to you like if your book succeeds or if it fails um, that's your business right. <laughs> you know so but um, you know my concern is i don't want to be stressed out <laughs> you know yeah. i don't want to put other people in a bad position because they got people that they have to answer to you know so but she she was just like never satisfied and then when i you know and and in moments like that i would say to artists it's okay to let jobs go and just be like i respect you but I don't think that we could work with each other. <laughs> you know, I don't think I'm the artist for you. And I, you know, I wish you all the best with finding somebody that, you know, you can you can link with. But uh this person had a grudge <laughs> and uh ended up threatening me, you know, because I'm like, at this point, me and you are not working well together. And I'm trying to be as respectful as I can. But now you have a grudge against me and you're trying to hold me just because just out of spite you know so i'm like if it's situations like that i definitely don't want to work with you yeah like it's it's not worth my energy it's you know and it got to the point where i had even offered a refund because i'm like i don't want to hold on to your money either you know and <laughs> and a lot of times like with uh with 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 books, you know, there's all types of details in the contracts where, like, if one party doesn't do their job or another party doesn't do their job, you know, that's all sorted out, you know. So right. sometimes if it's not, it's up to me. Like, I could easily say, I did my part. I did what I said I was going to do. I'm not giving you anything back. But if it comes to, like, really toxic people or toxic situations, I'm like, I don't even want that. I don't want any of your money. Right. So <laughs> I offered to give this person their money back, and they refused unless I were to meet them in person, to give it to them in person. And they were trying to pick the time, the location, <laughs> and all these things. Now, I'm like, okay, this sounds like a setup. Like, I don't know what you're trying to do. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, you've you've denied every opportunity, you know, because they actually refused to accept it in any other form except for in person. And I offered like a list. I was like, I could send it to you to cash app, wire transfer, all these digital means. I'm like, you can get your money back. But they just continued to threaten me. It was like, I will only accept it if you meet me where I said to meet me 
And I was like, well, you're not getting your money back, <laughs> you know, you know, because I'm not going to be threatened. I'm not going to be in no position. And I was like, if it ends up having to, you know, go through the court system, I have all the receipts. And I make sure to like when when I'm talking with people uh, and this is something that I had uh, learned from from you, John, is uh, try to have things in writing as much yep. as possible. Yeah, because it protects you. That's right. You know, so this person was also only trying to communicate with me on the phone. So they would say one thing on the phone and change it. So when that happened one time, I was like, okay, all communications are going through email or text. And I'm uh, keeping record of everything. And I was keeping my publisher and my uh, agent informed of everything. So no matter what happened, like I had my backup already uh, prepared. Right. And sure enough, this person did try to reach my backup and tried to lie on me. And I was like, no, I know the whole story, <laughs> you know? So, but I'm like, that's the type of, when I say that I've been burned or, or people have tried to take advantage of me, that's what I mean, because I do have a very soft demeanor and soft personality. And sometimes, um, people will the take that. Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes people will take that softness and think oh, I like to walk all over you. And I'm like, no, you right. know, I, I've, you know, I'm, I give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. I don't approach any, any type of business dealings with a hard heart or with ill intent. Um, I do what I do. Like my, my process and everything like that has, uh, that I've developed has come from experiences, mm -hmm. hard earned experiences. Like yeah. the one I just told you, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's it came from that to protect myself and to protect the jobs that I have because I have people that that you know I don't want I don't as as to the best of my ability I don't want to put anybody else in a bad position where they're worried about their job right you know so that's why I'm like I got to do mine and again I do that to the best of my ability so um, which is which is amazing yeah because you know, we're we're yeah. not all perfect yeah yeah so we're down to our last like six, seven minutes here. Yeah. So you became a judge a few years ago. So I'd just like to talk briefly then about why it's important you to be a judge and also anything you care to say about Ellen Hubbard who created these contests and continues to fund them. Now, 40 years later, he's still funding these contests. Nobody else does that in the world. Yes. You know? So just a little bit about why you become a judge and your your concept of what kind of a man would do what he's done? Well, I'm really grateful to be a judge because, for one, I love meeting the uh, new artists. Or, I mean, they're not new. Like, a lot of these yeah. artists, <laughs> you know, they just, uh, you know, trying to be seen, you know, yeah. just like I was. And um, I think that what's really awesome about this contest is that it brings a diversity of judges from all different walks. You have people who have been in better positions than I have been. <laughs> you have people that have been in my position, you know, and I think that all that information is valuable because just right. as you have a diverse group of judges from all different age ranges and styles and uh, with with their own wealth of experiences, the same can be said for the artists and, and the writers. You know, they they all come from their backgrounds. So there could be somebody like with that with having that diverse group of people there can be somebody for everybody in a sense. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm like really grateful because I, I, I really want to show or let people know that just because things aren't happening as fast as you want it to or 
it's, it's, or you might not be able to finish college. Like I wasn't able to finish college. It doesn't stop you from pursuing your dreams. It might take you a little bit longer. You might have to go through some mess, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, it's not impossible. So I always take, take it to say like, you know, from my experience, I struggled so that I could share. You know, I went through things so that I could share. So maybe people can avoid those pitfalls. And that's why, like, uh, when I do come here, I try to come, like, as early as possible. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I can, uh, which I'm very grateful because I was able to come on Monday um, because I like to be in the classes. I like to sit with with the other artists and be a part of it and, and co-mingle with them mm-hmm. because, like, uh, there might be people that's in that group that I could reach out to and like, hey, I know this publisher that, you know, is looking for a job. And um, that's what I've done. I, I, keep, I keep in touch with people on social media and just try to keep those channels open. Like, hey, if you going through some going through some stuff you know I might be able to offer some advice so um that's what I value and, and uh with with L. Ron Hubbard I think that's the beauty of what he had uh built with this is that you bringing together this community of people from all these different walks of life and backgrounds and ethnicities and with their own wealth of experiences and they're all coming together because a lot of times with contests um, and I've been in a lot of, <laughs> I had to go through a lot to like, just trying to pay for college. Um, what it amounts to is one day where you have an art show, everybody's art is in a room. You get, they invite people to look around, might have some snacks and they announce the winner and everybody goes home. And if the winner wins, they go home with a little bit of money, <laughs> you know, yeah. whereas, uh, with this, with this contest, um, there's a lot of thought and care that is given to the artist uh, and everything that you put out with like all the investments that's made to the different judges and to make sure that they're there in order to impart um, on the different artists that are here. And like, I only made it through about 2.5 years of college. I didn't even get to the classes that I went there for. <laughs> you, you know? But I learned more in that one week uh, when I came here back in 2008 uh, than I did in the two and a half years wow. that I had in college. And I'm grateful for college because I met my best friends. But outside of that, I'm like, I didn't like the debt <laughs> you know? and all of that. And uh, the wealth of knowledge that I've had through this experience uh, has carried me way farther and I hope that it carries all the other artists as you know as, as far as it, as it can take them and that they hold it to heart and that they use the resources that they have and and the people that they meet that they network and keep in touch well just as the judges when you were here were themselves paying forward you're not here paying yeah. forward and, and <laughs> helping to bring about that new generation of, of artists yes you know um because that's one of the things that, again, Mr. Edwards said that it's the, and this is from the very first volume of Writers of the Future, when he said, a culture is as rich and as capable of surviving as it has imaginative artists. The artist is looked upon to start things. The artist injects the spirit of life into a culture, and through their creative endeavors, the writer works continually to give tomorrow a new form. So he's talking about artists and writers, and it's... um. It's, it's so true. And I look at what you've created, 
you've got a you've created a whole new style of art which now the people are emulating and you have all the other masters and you have other other styles it just it grows more and more and i look at your art and it's just it's it's uplifting you know some art is like oh that's it shows a dystopian future. You don't do that. Your art is very uplifting. It's very diverse. You see happiness. These kids are like, and you get the idea of these kids that maybe didn't have the great start of their life, but now they're, they're in some environment where they're like, you see them true joy, you know? And that's, that's a very unique style that I see. And I go, that's, and it's really easy to see your stuff, even though you're all over the place. <laughs> Ah, oh, there's Brittany. Excuse me, there's B. <laughs> ah, that's fine. Yeah, so anyway, as I knew what happened, um, I didn't even write down a question to ask you. Normally, I have a whole list of questions. I just knew when I say, hello, B, it would just like go, vroom. we'd go through the hour in no time, which we have done. So I, I really appreciate your taking the time here to uh, to talk today. This The podcast has grown quite a bit uh, since we last spoke You know, a few years ago. There it was, I was maybe a thousand or so listens per episode, and I'm over two million listens an episode. So, and we're all over the world. So that people will be able to meet you. Where do they go to find you? Uh, you can find me by just searching Be Gifted. That's B-E-A, Gifted, G-I-F-T-E-D. Um, that's why I go by B, <laughs> because <laughs> you can find me. Yeah. So if you uh, look up Be Gifted, um, BeGifted.com, you'll find my website. Um, you can also find my social media, uh, such as Instagram, Facebook, uh, things like that. But I deliberately picked my name so that I'm the first thing that comes up. Which is great. <laughs> so. It's very, very good. So, again, I very much appreciate this. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We've also been syndicated on the United Public Radio Network where you can find these podcasts as well. Writers of the Future series can be purchased wherever books are sold in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, and South Africa, and available everywhere via Amazon.com. We're especially appreciative of our sponsor, Carnation, for supporting this podcast. Carnation has been making delicious milk products for over a century and is still going strong. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, B. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. <laughs>